Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. I am excited to welcome my guest. Mr. Daniel Vines. Dan, thank you for joining us. Hey, how you doing, Ethan? Hey, man. Doing well. Happy to be here, as always. That's awesome. That's awesome. I already said you look dapper in your bow tie. So. Oh, well, cheers to that. Cheers to that. Going with purple this week. And my mustache is starting to come in pretty yeah, well. I, yeah. <laughs> I got the COVID sheet going on right now. so <laughs> Has to be done. Has to be done. Cool. Yeah. So, so Dan, um, I guess, yeah, I can start by giving a little background. I don't know. I don't know if you were ex- expecting this. So I like, so for last, for the first week I told Dar I talked about Darian and how uh, we used to talk about how to start a business or, or our big business dreams in Spanish class or whatever. Then Bailey and I are obviously really close. So I kind of, I guess I'll start with like a little story. Um, so Dan Vinas, he's two years older than me. We both went to Lakeland Regional High School. We're both from Ringwood, New Jersey. We both have are interested in real estate now at this point. But um, so funny backstory, uh, as many of you may know, I'm very interested in, um, lifting weights. I lift five times a week. I've been very into exercise. I used to work out with Dan and all his buddies and from the football team at Lakeland. And um, Dan, I don't know if you remember, you actually taught me how to do walking dumbbell lunges, which is an absolutely murderous exercise (laughs) that I pretty much don't know anybody else who does. And to this day, I, I always find a way to work that exercise into my program. So I thought that would be a funny way to start off the podcast. I would like to start off by apologizing then because that is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's up there with squats and abs, man. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. You know, if you really feel like beating yourself up that day. <laughs> yeah. So that was back in yeah, like January of 2012 or something back. And that's just like my funny Vinez story that I could think of off the top of my head. That's funny, man. Yeah. Cool. I could have been able to remember all the way back there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm a bit detail-oriented. But, yeah, anyways, so before, we, before I start rambling, yeah, I just want to, like, kind of give us a little bit of background on you, a little introduction, and we'll just kind of see where we can go from there. I'm just excited to give everyone a chance to hear your story because when you told me last week, it was pretty awesome to listen to, so I'm excited. All right. So I will start, I guess, a little bit after the whole lunch story happened. Um, yeah. My senior year of high school, I found out I was having a kid, um, Kendall. She was born in August. So pretty much going in as being like a single teenage parent, like a bunch of challenges that came with that. Um, when Kendall was nine and two weeks before my 19th birthday, uh, my dad passed away. So that made it even more interesting because uh, then 19 with a kid, you know, trying to put yourself through school and all of a sudden you had a lot more like financial responsibilities and just the best way I could describe that feeling in my life was like, it's a Saturday morning and you have covers on you, like a thick like comforter and like someone just ripped it off and you have like two options where you get to sit there and like discomfort or like you're going to get up and to start moving. And it was the first time in my life that I'd say I really felt like, everything was dependent upon me. Like if I didn't make actions happen, like very bad things were going to happen to That's people. That's real quick about. too. 19. Um, like, yeah. 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 It was definitely a fast transition into adulthood. Uh, <laughs> you know, but that being said, um, I think there's silver linings and everything and the power of kind of knowing who you were at a young age and having like direction. Uh, it's huge. You know, I actually, I always give the analogy that like, 
if you have like four people, right? You have one mm-hmm. person that just falls on their face all the time and they're just constantly going in circles, falling on their face. You have another person that walks perfectly, takes perfect 10 perfect steps, but they only go in a circle. You have a third person that takes perfect steps and they take 10 steps in one direction. And then you have one other person, the fourth person, and they're willing to fall on their face continuously without stop with a direction. And that person will be farther than the person that took 10 perfect steps. With this crazy pain tolerance. Yeah. You kind of have, you have to be willing to fail because every single time you fall on your face and you pick yourself up, you take baby steps forward and you get stronger. Exactly. So that's a pretty good way to explain like that part of my life. Yeah. So it sounds like when you were 19, you were pushed through the floor into hell in, in a sense. Uh, yeah, more or less, you know, and also the other thing is that fear has a lot to do with keeping people in place. Uh, even like, you know, when I told people I was having a kid like that young, they almost treated it like I was terminally ill. They're like, oh, yeah, I get like, it. No, like, that's like, honestly, the best part of my life, man. Like, of you know, like that's what got me through the actual struggles in my life is like my daughter and my relationship with her. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's things aren't as hard as most people make them out to be. I think that's fair. It's, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, well, life goes on, right? Life goes on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then after that, I was going through school and was terrible at it mm-hmm. um, as I was in high school as well. Um, was, it, actually, was this like community college? This was community college. It's Bergen okay. community. Um, and then actually prior to that, I didn't even walk my own graduation. Uh, high school. I found out I was having a kid kind of freaked out and started working like 60 hours a week. So I was like, I, that's the only kind of response I had to it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but here, so, so right off the bat, you find out something, something life-changing is happening and a lot of people will, will go numb and maybe enter a depressive state or something right off the bat. This is just so cool about you. And then why I'm so excited for this talk. You immediately just kicked it into gear. 60 hours, 19 years old. Are you still, and that's still while you're taking classes at, 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 in high school? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I was doing very poorly at the classes in high yeah, school. But, but but yeah, but this, this is not, I mean, that's not just a normal thing for someone, even with responsibility to just start, go, just jump into 60 hours. It's just, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting characteristic of yours. It's very respectable, I, would, I, I find at least. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. But everyone has those moments of weakness and uh i was lucky mine was for about two days i was feeling like the pity party for myself quick quick and uh who who was it it was kenny chesney's song came on two days after i found out i was having a kid uh and it was there goes my life and i listened to that whole song and it just made me feel like wow you are so selfish you have the opportunity to like live for someone other than yourself and all my questions were like oh my life my life and i was like it's not about you anymore and once you give up, like it's another thing with fear holding you in place. Mm-hmm. Once you start stop living for like a monetary means or like your own personal like gain, you're able to do a lot more because that a lot of your fears have to do with your self and preservation. So if you're able to take yourself out of it and work for something else, like a big why, it just it, your ability to put yourself in uncomfortable situations and be fine with it, it it just grows. Like have you read Start with Why? No, I have not. So that, that's where the idea of the big why comes from. It's a book by Simon Sinek. It's about how the most successful businesses that have ever um, or that exist 
um, are successful because they know what their, their purpose is before they get started rather than just driving profit. It's about some sort of big purpose. Like he uses the example of Apple wanting to create the best, most user-friendly technology. That's like a why. And the why is what drives you forward. Obviously you'll talk a lot about how family can be your, your big why. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of people. And that just makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, if we're going into that, uh, understanding your big why is huge. It's like, that's what was so powerful for me at 19, understanding what my genuine like big why was. And most people, it's going to be pretty similar. It's going to, people are going to say family and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. Before I go into the rest of my story, I think it is very important for anyone to really just acknowledge where you are in life and all your actions, if they don't like add up to pursuing that big why, you're kind of lying to yourself. And that's where a lot of people end up being miserable. Mm-hmm. It's because they know what makes them happy, but their actions dictate elsewise. Like if you say your family is the most important to you, I had to work 70 hours a week for two years. I had a plan though. And I was miserable. It was a huge, I'll get into it, but it was a very yeah, the challenging plan is time. The, key. The, the plan is why you're where you are right now. And that's the only reason why I was able to do it. But people will do that for 40 years yeah. and just have no exit strategy. And they'll say the most important thing is their family and stuff like that. And they end up miserable. And if I'm able to help anyone from not being like that, like that's, that's a huge life goal of mine. Totally. And, and the cool thing is, is, is back two things. So the, the why is what, picks you up when you're you've fallen and the why is what forces you to stay with your plan and actually continue and follow through because it's you can it's easy to say i'm going to work six 70 hours a week for two years and then i'm going to be in a really good position but then when emotions come knocking or death in the family or anything happens it's it's your why it's your powerful motivator and it has to not just be like I want a fancy car. I mean, if you're obsessed with cars, I guess that might work, but it really like that. Why is, is what will keep you on track. Like my why is just creating it. It really, it really does come down to like love for me, just like a love for just human beings in general, the planet, the earth, nature, just like good energy is a a big motivator for me because that's what I want to put out. That's what I like to get back. But I I don't know. I want to talk about you first for sure. No, Hey, that's a huge point. And if people understand that they just by understanding that fact, they will be more successful in all aspects of their life. Just by understanding that. Self-understanding. Yeah. You have a hierarchy of needs. Mm. And as soon as your need for self-preservation, which is normally fear-based, it's that feeling of like, Oh, what if I do this and something terrible happens? Like fear is a terrible motivator. And so if your why is stronger than that, you can overcome it. If your why isn't, you're as soon as like things aren't good and you like, you know, shit hits the fan. Sorry for cursing, but yeah, no like, you, you're going to give up because it's not your why isn't stronger than your fear of preservation yeah. and your basic hierarchy of needs. So it, it's huge to understand. Like I would, if anyone was about to go on entrepreneurial or any kind of like self, like, you know, fulfilling prophecy whatever prophecy. you call yeah, it yeah. you have to understand like really what's important to you and what's going to push you through those hard times because you're going to have them nothing just good there's the no way around it me and a billionaire is they've solved more problems they put themselves in a position to inherit more problems and they fix them and they've and, probably failed more than you on well, many exactly. levels <laughs> yeah 100 yeah. percent. goes yeah. back to you know what i was saying about falling on your face with a direction yes you know you can fall on your face in a million different ways and you won't go anywhere but if you fall on your That's face with a direction 
you're you're gonna you know surpass pretty much anyone because most people are scared of failing cool so all right so you were 19 your, your father passed away you have this new young daughter and you're gonna and you, you're gonna start working really hard is what it sounds like we're in the story um i'm going to start working very creatively uh well so no i, I meant have, i meant like in in the in the story like in the timeline back in like 2000 what was it 13 yeah i had her in 2013 so then 2014 my dad passed away so yeah yeah so around that time frame um so, so after that um i had a lot of inner struggles <laughs> that i had to work out naturally uh, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's it really the parallel of like life in the most extreme form of my daughter being born and death as in my father, one of the people I looked up to in the most within nine months of herself, just completely just my entire view on life was just warped. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it just changed pretty much how I looked at everything. And after that, I was getting a lot of flack from family members and friends saying like, listen, like, you have to be the man of the house now. You're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to do X, Y, and Z because you have to provide. And Everybody loves to tell you what to do, right? Yes, everyone loves That's to tell That's their me. favorite thing. <laughs> and, you know, so I actually was living like an alternative lifestyle where I really wanted to be a stay-at-home dad. Like that was my, like, I, I just love it. It's what I, I've always weirdly wanted to be a dad, you know? So yeah. like, I like That's teaching. I like stuff like that. So like, it was just natural to me. So like, I just fell in love with my daughter and being a father. So well, like, time is precious, especially at that young age when they're so impressionable as well. You just want to be the best influence you can and just see it all happen. Yeah, man, you, you don't get that back. And it is fundamentally the most important time for your child. So I made a promise to Kendall that her first five years of life, I was going to be mostly a stay at home father. Mm -hmm. um, Cause that brought her into full-time school. So I could pretty much, I was working at a pizzeria I was going through school and I was, uh, you know, being a stay at home dad for the most part, um, during that, like next like four ish years. Um, and then, meanwhile, other people your age are, um, studying, but just, uh, drinking copious amounts of alcohol, having random sex with people and doing all that. That's, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're in the real part, like the, the next stage, like that big stage. Meanwhile, your peers are all, out like dicking around not know, kind of not knowing what you're doing just to just to show the the, the harsh contrast that's going on I'm, I'm, am i wrong you know what i mean like i said at 19 i understood who i was and what made me happy right because i went through this crazy times at a young age so it was a huge advantage to me moving forward um and so pretty much after that i ended up getting the uh, job at the dpw Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, do you want to, do you want to tell people, people what that, that is exactly what the job is? Oh, department of public works. I, uh, I work for my town. It's a government job for so. Ringwood, New Jersey, right? Correct. Yep. For Ringwood, New Jersey. Um, cool. so I pretty much ended up going there full time Monday through Friday and I was still working at the pizzeria. So I ended up working about 70 hours a week for two years yeah uh, crazy and yeah it was very painful for me because i had to give up a lot of time with my daughter but there yeah. was also years of me feeling like a failure kind of as like a son and a provider because mm -hmm. you have that natural male instinct and there was years where like you know i didn't i knew my purpose was to be able to be a stay-at-home father with my daughter but yeah. like when people would say stuff it, it would subconsciously get to me so i felt really good and for the first three or four months, I was just 
took over and was like, all right, I get to pay all the bills and all that stuff. And then I realized that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was terrible working that well, long. 70 hours, man. Like people, you just take a moment and pause to think about that. Most people are working nine to five. So that's probably what are we working six or seven days a week. I was working seven days a week. I was working uh, 40 to 45 hours of the DPW Monday through Friday. And then I would leave on Friday and I would pick up a shift at the pizzeria from five or four till 11. And then I worked 12 plus hour shift Saturday and Sunday. You're such Um, a badass. Anyways, keep going. Keep going. that, That pretty much got me to that point. Like I said, four months into it, I was like, wow, this is terrible. Um, I might have skipped a part uh, during my whole stay-at-home dad thing. I've always been like a, just a really strict saver and budgeter, so I was able so to kind of live. Yeah, I was able to live like below my like I was able to like really make a strict budget for those five years. But I also took advantage of one of the biggest economic upswings of the U.S. history. Um, mm-hmm. I invested in the- Bitcoin and other things that would never recommend doing, but I got lucky. I did. I made a couple thousand dollars off of it. And yeah. it actually over the next two years after that, um, pretty much helped me support myself because I wasn't making enough to live. And I went into the workforce with about a thousand dollars left. So it was very, wow. very tight, but yeah, <laughs> made it work. <laughs> you did. Um, so then after that, that brings me up to about four months of me being like, this is just not a way it's not sustainable. I wouldn't make enough at the DPW to be able to fulfill all like my investing wants and stuff like that. So I was like, I have to figure out a way because I don't want to work 70 hours a week. Um, so October 28th, I, I'm a journaler too. I journal October 28th day. of 2017? Oh, uh, 2018. Okay. So I started June 11th, 2018 at the DPW. Yep. And then I, so this was October 28th. I was working with a guy um, and, you know, I was just, you know, talking and we were, I were talking, we got into real estate and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I always have wanted to like buy a rental property, but I would only buy like, and I gave a bunch of like super conservative, like just no education behind it kind of stuff. And mm-hmm he wasn't like super educated on it either, but he was just said, yes, why? And for the first time in about five years, someone asked me why that like, cause my dad used to do it all the time. Cause he's an entrepreneur. So like no if kidding. I had something, he would just be like, why? And like, just make you think about it. And yeah. it clicked. And I was like, you know what? I don't know why. And it really bothered me. Cause I pride myself on not really being like a sheepish person. Like, yeah, I develop my own opinions on pretty much anything. And I was like, I was just well, talking. I could be good and bad. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, coming absolutely. from someone who's the same way. Yeah. So, but I realized it bothered me because I realized that my opinion was just being formed off of like fear. It wasn't being formed off of any education. Can, any you, can you elaborate your opinion on, on real estate was motivated by fear? So I, our exact conversation went something like, I was like, yeah, I would buy like, a small like two bedroom one bath starter home and like have that as a rental and he was like why wouldn't you buy like a four or five flex and i was like more or less it came down to like because that scares me yeah <laughs> you know i was just good. like because i just never thought i would be worth buying that really what it comes down to is that like when people see that and they're like oh whoa 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 it's more or less like they internally feel like they're like oh well i just that's for other people. I can't do that because I'm not worthy of it. Like, you know, mm. they're not going to say it, but really it's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and that bothered me because I was like, I don't have a good answer 
And I kind of yeah. sat there for a little bit and I was like, get back to you. And then my obsessive personality took over. Um, and I just the research game love. began. Oh my goodness. I fell in love. I got obsessed. Same, same thing happened to me. I started just, I listened to, uh, 400 podcasts Jesus. in like, in like two months, something wow. like that. Cause all even to today, are man, you at the DBW? So the DBW you're doing work around town, gardening or whatever. And you're just listening to real estate in investing podcasts. Uh, whenever I'm driving at the pizzeria, people make fun of me all the right, time. Right, right, right. I always, always now, this got is beautiful. it. So not only is he working 70 hours a week, but he's multitasking, building his side business. Cause he's doing jobs where he's able to kind of like zone out a little bit. So it's like, you could be spending that time just kind of like mulling around, but no, you took extensive action. And then this is like, the, this seems like the key to your story. First off, you were thrown into, you have to take action or, or stuff's going to get pretty bad. And then yeah. you just <laughs> kept taking action, action, action. And it's going to lead to the further on in the story. Yeah. Cool. So that would pretty much bring us up to, I was became obsessed started just Naturally. like audiobooks. I mean, last year I started, I mean, I started tracking like everything that I do and wait, 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 I'm, wait, I'm not, tracking, you mean financially or what do you, what do you mean? Everything. Tracking? I've always tracked my financials. I've been a big budget guy. Since. What do you mean tracking everything you do? Like how much time you're spending mm-hmm. learning or something? Literally everything I do. Cause, and you know, if, it's so invaluable to keep track of your activity because then you collect data and data is like the most valuable commodity we have in this world because then you look back of, of the activity that you've done over the last year and you can do analysis and then think if I do this better, I'll get this result better. That's why tracking is just so, so invaluable for anything business related or just self-improvement in general. What matters gets measured. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I pretty much, I started tracking everything. Like I said, I'm a big journaler. Uh, my mornings is like a six part morning routine. So like I, I'm pretty structured when it comes to that stuff. Cause I realized at a pretty young age that um, a budget and a schedule and a calendar is actually, most people view it as something that weighs upon you, but it actually gives you freedom because once you understand all those things and where your time is being allocated and where your finances are being allocated, you're able to really do the things you love and make time for them uh, where people feel overwhelmed. I almost never do. And I do a lot. (laughs) So clearly just because of all that stuff. So I, where, where did I leave off? So I was pretty much self-educating, obsessive. Um, and then, Sounds like we're about beginning of 2019 now. Yeah. So, so you've been working for five years. Is it consistently like 70 hours a week? Or Yeah, I didn't take a day off for and about you, a year and you and a stopped, Did you stop going to class at community college? So I stopped going to class. Oh, yeah, I probably skipped that part. I stopped yeah, going did. to class, um, I think, 2016. Uh, because one, it doesn't, wasn't working out for me. I was going for law at originally yeah. and I actually did pretty well in college, but I was going okay. for law, uh, cause I wanted to be a cop. And then I realized that the rotating schedule wasn't for me as a single parent. And yeah. I kind of realized like, again, knowing what was important to me, I didn't put myself in a position where I'm like, Oh, I hate my job after like 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and then really I went good. for finance and I was like, Hmm. A drive and a commute to the city and pretty far. I was like, that also doesn't sound like it's for me. No. So I ended up stopped going there. And then uh, that's when you got the DPW job. 
And it was because my daughter went to full-time school. I got out at 3.30 and she got out of school at 3.25. So Beautiful. I didn't miss any time with her. Um, cool. So, so now we're through all the college and the beginning of your daughter's life and you've just been working and working and working. You're just grinding away, taking care of the family. Now, now you're, you've been educating yourself on the world of real estate investing and we're at the beginning of last year. Yeah. So I was really trying to find myself in the field of real estate and I was just making this really just, I, cause I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to like make offers. So I made offers and like, thank God. They oh, hold on. People don't, people don't necessarily, you mean, you mean make offers on properties because you're qualified to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so you've I'll, been working for so long. You have a five-year working. So we just got to make sure we make it clear for anyone who's listening. Cause we, you know, we me and you can probably chat real estate easy, like throwing, throwing terms back and forth, lease option agreements, rent to rent, whatever. Uh, yeah. buy to let burr like we need to make sure that like people can actually know what we're talking about you okay, were making so, you decided you were going to buy a house but not not you were going to buy a house as an investment not to live in is that right correct i was going to make a house as an invest i was going to buy a house as an investment and uh thank god none of them went through for a long time because i had were you no, no idea what i was doing what w- were you lowballing people no i was just offering because I, I got excited and I was like, cool, I have to do this now. And then I was just like, I, like I said, I'm so were you happy. making Were you making offers unrepresented? <laughs> so I, originally I would just go to the listing agent before I had my license and I was just like, I'm just going to go to them and be like, Hey, <laughs> let sure, me, sure. Let you give, you be my agent. And like, let me just say, you know, you're going to let them double end it. And you were going to just make an offer. And I just, in my head, I was just like, I mean, I know there's a lot of legal ramifications for the agent. So I'm like, man, in my head, I was just like, like sweetening the pot kind of, you know? So, uh, yeah, I see. I see. I, was, I see. That was my original pre education, educating in Jersey. You were, you, were walk, you were walking around, you're walking into houses and making offers in New Jersey. More or less, yes. Okay. Um, knowing nothing, <laughs> knowing yes. nothing other than the fact that like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, but no sound background on it. Um, <laughs> so thank God that didn't pan out. Uh, after about after I wrote one and it was it was a short sale, which means that the bank needs to, pretty much they're selling for the banks less underwater. than what the bank they owe yeah. the bank. So it's a long process. Mm-hmm. I talked to a friend about three months into it. They, I've said, and end up going with it because, uh, you know, again, a fail. <laughs> um, I talked to a friend in real estate as I was developing relationships, and uh, they asked me just some contract questions, and I was like, I, I didn't read any of it, and I know nothing. And I was like, maybe I should just educate myself a little bit. So More. yeah. Then I was so it, this was probably the craziest time frame, like time wise. Uh, I was still working the 70 hours a week mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, uh, being a single parent. And uh, I got in about a eight month span, I got my CDL license for my job, which is commercial driver's license. Okay. I got my real estate license. Um, and I went through fire one for my volunteer fire service <laughs> in about eight months, like with all that stuff. And it was miserable. Would not recommend anyone ever do that. <laughs> is this, this is in addition to delivering pizza every night and working out in the field, like around town every day. Yeah. yeah, Doing labor and stuff. Yeah. It was, it was terrible. I wouldn't ever. How many hours is required to get your real estate license in New Jersey? I think it's 96. Um, 
something like that. It was, so it was 96 hours of classes. How, how, what's the, what does it entail getting your CDL? What kind of uh, prep is that? CDL was probably about three weeks. Three um, weeks. I think it's 16 hours of driving time, and then you take the test. Um, and All then right. – yeah, and then fire one. So like, let, let's let's be real for a second here. Like, yeah, sure, you're you're a single father. You're motivated by family. You love working, man. That's that. There's no other way around it. There, it's hard for for someone who doesn't like working to hear what you're saying and like even be half of what you're like. You obviously just you just want to be on the grind. See, and I appreciate that, but I think the exact opposite. Really? So okay. So, so gotta- I really, really like to scale things and I like my time. Like, dude, my time, if I was able to be a single father, like, I mean, a stay at home father, like that's it. Done that. That's yeah. all I would do. I, I understand. I was on this time where I was just like, okay, so what's important to me? I was you like, need to build volunteering that. is important to me. So I went out and I got, you know, I became a volunteer firefighter. It's like, cool. Cause that fulfills me. Um, for my job, if I got my CDL, it would make me make more money an hour. So eventually I could translate that to be like, okay, I could take less time off because I'm making it higher per hour. And, you know, it would help me, you know, progress and all that stuff. And then real estate, I needed an education. And also I saw the potential of having more of a flexible schedule. So that was all in the path of buying my time So it's back. all just imperatives then. If it's, if then, if I do this, then I'll be able to do this. And it's all leading yeah. to this time where you can just spend more time with your daughter. Yes. It's and hard to believe. It's hard to believe that you could go from, cause you know, if you're a full-time real estate investor, it takes work, but eventually you will be able to like have a lot of free time. It's hard to imagine you going from, grinding for so many years to just kind of like chilling out you might just like get antsy you might be volunteering at four different organizations at that point who knows yeah i mean and that's also the other thing is that like i've never not been in the position where i've had to hustle for the last like six years so like i don't necessarily know but so i mean that so in my timeline that would lead us up to is it summer of 19 so yeah it would be summer end of so summer of 19 um I am finishing up with Fire Academy by November. I'm still making offers. I have more of an yeah. education. I have my So license. you are working for the DPW. You deliver pizzas. You have your real estate license for residential sales. Is that right? Correct. You have your CDW license. You're a volunteer firefighter and you're a father. I'm running out of fingers. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm trying to actively invest. So I'm and you're right. And you're, and you're working on a side business of real estate investment and you're making offers on houses, which involves doing analysis and looking into the property, see if it will be a good deal, if it'll cash flow, all that stuff. So that's, so, that's like seven jobs. All right. I'm keeping up. I'm keeping up. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've actually eaten at a lunch or a break at my work in probably about a year. Cause I'm always on the phone or, Badass. you know, doing stuff. Um, yeah. So, like I said, at that point, November, I finished with Fire Academy. So I have a little more free time. In the meantime, I'm making offers, all that stuff. Um, an ex-girlfriend of mine came up and for her sister's wedding, and we got to talking, and uh, we were just catching up. And she's an agent down in North Carolina. And uh, pretty much I was telling her, like, at this point, like, I was educated on real estate, and I was like, I'm looking at this, this, and that. And she was just like, would this work? And I was like, yes. I went down there the week after and I had, I owned a house two weeks after that. So <laughs> pretty much as soon as she showed me within like three weeks, we closed on a house uh, and that was my first rental. 
Um, so is it, uh, is it, is it cash flowing now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this gets more into like the weeds of things. So yeah. stop me if you want me to elaborate on something. Cause yeah. So you were looking to buy a property to rent as an investment. That's a great, great thing to do guys. This is a great way to build wealth. We could go on a whole tangent about that. We'll try and keep it more on, on Dan, but, um, and then eventually you had a, a, a contact essentially come up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm in with this real estate community down in North Carolina. There's good investment properties. People are picking up good deals all the time. I could work, we could work something out here where I'm doing this for you and you're able to kind of earn some passive. Is she managing the property for you as well? No. So, uh, again, um, I just reached out to a lot of people that I knew were very wealthy and like whenever I listen to a podcast, I'll just email that person. I'll find, I'll drum up their information and I'll mess. I'll go social media. That's email, another huge differentiator. People, normal people don't do this, bro. Like normal people <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't just don't, won't just reach out. Like, this is like, so I post, I've done two change in the climate episodes already. And Dan Vines haven't heard from him pretty much probably since he graduated high school. He reaches out to me. Now he's on the show now. So I know, I mean, whatever, changing the climate, it's no big deal right now. It's just a new little Ethan Shapiro show, but initiative and putting in work, like it gets results and it just, it sets you apart from everyone else. Like the fact, so, so you, you would, you would try and make connections with these people who are providing you education. Very cool. Very different from most people. It's just very impressive, man. Anyways. Yeah. If you honestly come at them and just like, don't ask like, be my mentor, do, please. I want to yeah, talk. Like, I want to have weekly know, like, co- coaching calls with you. Yeah, like how, how do I retire? And to like, like read, they they normally have. They don't want. They don't want to answer questions that you can Google. They give out a lot of content a lot of the time. If you see them on a podcast or something like that, they have at least some kind of like an educational based, like you know, you you could find them somewhere. So read their stuff, and if you can't get an answer, if you have a question that generates off of that, they really appreciate it. You know, if sure. they see like you're really vetted and like you, you're into it. Like, you know, they want to help you because they see you like in them, you know, there's a great example of being inspired by my audience. Like you watched my podcast and now you're here on it, talking on it. So it's cool. Yeah. Happy to have you. So, yeah, I mean, it's huge that that education was huge. So anyway, I, um, I reached out to a bunch of people and realized that like, I mean, flat out, dude, I'm just not a talented human being. <laughs> you know, I, I am just not a, a talented human being. So He's uh, I was folks. talking, I, I can't, I wish, I wish I could give whomever this was, I gave me this advice, a shout out, but I cannot remember who it was. And they kind of like helped me realize, like get out of my ego and be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really that talented. And they're like, so if something goes wrong with your property, like, are you going to fix it? Because no, he, lives in, he lives in Ringwood, New Jersey. So that's what, 900 miles away from North Carolina? Like 600 and something. 600. So it's a, a hefty journey for like yeah. a broken gutter. So yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much more or less I realized I was like, well, most of this stuff, like I'm just going to call someone for. And I was like, well, managing it, like I'm doing all this to buy back time. So like, I don't want to really manage it. So like all the stuff I was like, I'm going to have to build a team anyway. So why don't I just do it where I could do it anywhere in the world? Because if I'm 600 miles away, it doesn't matter if I'm 3,000 miles away or in a different country, you know? So I was like, you know what? Like this, again, knowing what was important to me. And I was like, I could totally just be like, oh, let me do it all. But I was like, no, I want to buy back my time. This is why I'm doing this. So I I developed a team there. 
Um, and yeah, with help from your local contact. Yeah, that and just uh, I read um, David Green's book, uh, Investing in Long Distance Real Estate, uh, and that is gold. If you're looking for for being able to weigh like the people that you want to hire and a good like interviewing kind of thing uh, and building a team from a distance, like it is, it's gold. It's let me get my notepad and keep going. Yeah, no, that that book is amazing. Um, so then after that. Yeah, so I I bought the the first house, um, and I'm gonna just give this. It's more of an analytical kind of thing, not like a personal thing. But I think yep. people should really know it because absolutely. I'm assuming your audience is gonna be kind of around our age. Probably, um, we'll see. We'll see who's watching. I'm 26, by the way, so uh, I didn't necessarily have that much money. <laughs> you know, I was doing this. Like I said, I came into the workforce with a thousand dollars. I'm a perpetual saver. So like I did have a good amount, but what I ended up doing was uh, something that's called like the Burr method, which is you buy rehab, rent and repeat. Um, So pretty much I went in and bought a house for, I think it was $103,000. I put about six grand into it, which all in was like 109 and it appraised for 150. Oh, uh Beautiful. so there was about two thousand a little more than two thousand on uh my closing costs so all into it all into it was about like 111 and what's my, the what's the deal was it a distressed property uh it was a foreclosure so <laughs> it was a foreclosure that had a terrible smell to it and yep, there, walked, there it is it's always the smell the smell so is I walked the best in, way i i heard this line so i'm totally like stealing it from someone but when i walked in uh I was like, I was like, ah, oh, smells like money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I heard that from somewhere, so I totally stole it. One hundred percent. I mean, think about it. If you have like a like a newborn, or you're about to get your first house, and you you're you're a couple, and you just want to live in the house, you go in there and you smell like a horrible smell. That's going to turn you off right away. But if you're an investor, you want the properties that that nobody else wants to buy. You know, oftentimes repainting or just changing the cabinets or something can get rid of that smell. Bring the property value up could be could, could be $10,000. Flipping. Yeah, dude, yeah. ozone machine and a deep clean. And that's pretty much all I need to get. Yeah. To <laughs> uh, so it was super, uh, super easy. Uh, Hold on. Come and- on. Sorry. I, I'm like, I get excited about this stuff. Let's, let's pause for a second. So he bought, he bought the house. He went under contract, the seller or whoever was the bank agreed to sell the property to him for $103,000. So you'd think, okay, he bought it for what it's worth. Maybe it's 100, maybe it's 110. He then goes in, he puts 6,000 more dollars of his own capital into it, making renovations, getting rid of the smell, whatever. A certified appraiser, someone who goes in and says how much a real estate or property is worth, then comes in and says, this property is worth $150,000. So this is crazy money, guys. For how many weeks did the renovations take? uh it it took nine days (laughs) yeah like this is insanity people are putting two thousand dollars into nicola or all these stocks they're putting in two thousand dollars getting two thousand dollars back if you have money and you qualify for a house and you do a a burr strategy or a wedge deal this guy i mean it's sure i mean he could sell the house tomorrow for for and have us or reappraise it or refinance whatever we're talking about a gain of thirty thousand dollars in nine days people this is this is 
real, this is real. This stuff actually happens. Sorry. I get really excited about real estate. Let's keep rolling. Dude, I feel you. I'm the same way. <laughs> so I mean, you lived it's, it. it's huge. It's, it's life. I'm, I'm going to say this before I get into it, just because I want people that are listening to really understand it. Yeah. Any person that's listening to this does not matter where you are. You can retire within 10 years without drastically not without doing the painful things I had to do. You can retire within 10 years. I'm doing it and I did it in the most painful way because I'll get into it, but I wanted to leave my job within a year. So I, I had to go through a lot of growth very, and it's just growing pants. I had to go through a lot of growth in a short period of time. So and Hey man, you're, you're accustomed <laughs> to that already at this point. Yeah. So that, um, so that was the first deal. Um, I refinanced it, which was at 75% of the LTV. So, so that was like 115. So it ended up being 112,500. So 112. all in, I was at about like 11 something. So I actually got paid a couple hundred dollars to buy my first rental that was cash flowing. Pause uh, for a second. He got paid to buy a house. He now owns the house and he rents it out. So someone's paying his mortgage and he made money from it. And he has, you know, just something, just a casually sitting there worth $150,000. It's paying itself off every month. Crazy. Keep, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, not only that, a testament just to being a person. Like, I pretty much just went through my timeline. Mm -hmm. People watch and they acknowledge who you are. So just never be a person that you don't align with because my first house, I raised private money on it. I never had to go to a bank or use my own finances. No so. kidding. So you made a cash offer originally. Yeah, cash offer. So that's another uh, reason why you got a good deal. Yeah. So, you know, that was my first one, you know. But did you, so when you, did you, you after you refurbed, you refibed to a conventional loan? Yeah, 30 year fix. So over 30 years. Yeah. Amazing. I think the interest rate. So when you do a cash out refinance, uh, which a lot of real estate turns, but so when you do yeah. that, you typically end on an investment property. It's a higher interest rate. So my interest rate was like 4.85 on it. Um, that's pretty high. Yeah, it's just it's it is what it is. You know, you're sure. gonna I don't know why they have it that way, but cash out refinance is still, still cash flowing. Yeah. And you know, I'm probably not on this one. If you want me to come back, I can go into deal by deal, like a deep like, you know, Yeah, I mean we'll just we'll just keep it rolling and see. I, I mean yeah. I'm 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 too excited <laughs> right now. I haven't even heard this part of the story, guys. So like this is the first time I'm hearing most of this part. So this is good. Um <laughs> so that was um, December 21st of 2019. I bought mm -hmm. that. Um, then I found another property um, and I ended up was like, oh, this makes sense as a flip. And it was, I think, I think it was January like 12th or something like that. So I, I might even refinance the other one. And I was like, well, it makes sense. Like, let me try and like raise money for it. So I did. <laughs> and you had um, no issue finding a tenant for the other place? Oh no, dude, to rent it out in six days. Yeah. So, and you had, and you got some ma property manager taking care of all that. Right. Yeah. And I can go into team building more and I can go into like my criteria and all that stuff, probably on another episode where you yeah. want me to dive into individual deals and how you okay. structure businesses. Like, um, so, you know, it was like two or three weeks afterwards. And like, you know, I was just like, I was like, I, I need all this stuff. Like, I need to like, you know, just like light the world on fire and go get it. So then I was like, okay, one popped up and I was just like, well, let me see if I can raise money for it. And I was able to. So now you have credibility because you've already had one deal that you've, you've done. You've shown people that you can do it. And now they're like, this guy, this guy's done this. 
we, we, we and plus you probably have a relationship with that private lender who got paid back immediately and you can build yeah. another relationship and they might have other friends who are lenders and it just compounds on itself. Yeah. So, um, that was a flip. Um, so that one I got under contract as a flip. Um, and then I am now currently working on construction on my second rental. Um, and that's kind of a bigger project. It's a new roof and a new HVAC and stuff like that. But, um, so once that's done, I should be refinanced out of that in about three weeks. Um, and this is all out of state, all out of state. And I pretty much have been averaging about a house every six weeks. Um, so I have my fourth one under contract right now. Um, so hopefully we go with that. Um, and I mean, under contract, I'm, you know, constantly, I just fell out of contract for one that had a lot of termite damage that I didn't know about until I got an inspection. <laughs> so fell out of contract on one, got under contract on another one. Um, so pretty much that leads me up to right now. And once I'm done with the refinance, I am going to refinance on what? Uh, the second rental. Okay. So that should be in about. Three so it months. was first rental property second house flip and then you bought a third rental property and now you're building a, 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 a construction or you mean when you said construction you meant a refurb yeah 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 so i mean I, i'm doing a rehab on it i think it's like seventeen thousand dollars worth um, it's a new roof and a new age and the second one you bought to then resell the second one yeah the second one was a flip um, and did you did you flip it is it sold oh yeah 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 and how much yeah. how much profit did you get on that uh, dollars $28,000. And that was in a matter of, of how many weeks? That one was about in between like three and four months, I believe. And then you're taking that money and you're putting it down on another property and you're going to keep going. Yeah. Well, actually I still just borrow other people's money. So I take that money That's and the I way to do it. I put it towards like marketing and a couple other things. Uh, like, so when I, each rental, the goal, if I didn't have to ever sell a house, I wouldn't, uh, I like holding rental properties, but each one, are, I like are they in your name or are they have them in an LLC? Um, so if you're going to buy a rental property, you should buy them in your name for tax purposes. Uh, I would imagine for no, well, cause LLCs are like they're fly through or, um, transparent. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's what my business is like. Yeah. So when you buy it, like, so pretty much if you rent, if you go to refinance with an LLC, they're going to do a commercial loan, which is going to be a higher interest and less favorable terms. So if you're able to buy it and you have like a good W2 job, like I have right now, yep. um, you just do it that way. Cause you get a better, you get better interest, you get better terms and all that fun stuff. And then after I think two or three months, you're allowed to transfer it title over into an LLC. Um, so it's, same process, just yeah. yet a little bit. So you get your still. I'm not super liable now because now it's in my LLC. The first house, um, correct. Um, but originally it wasn't my name, so okay. That's more or less how you do that. Um, and yes, yeah, so and you learned I, all of this from listening to podcasts. Yeah, and just and doing and failing. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, really luckily failing uh, a lot and just you know going out like i said i got my license and stuff and just talking to people just constantly networking you know it's yeah people are pretty willing you know like i'll talk to anyone about it (laughs) it's kind of i've never met someone that's like does real estate and is not like super passionate about it like especially when they invest like 
So it's, it's pretty easy to get them on the phone, you know, and it's totally. like, Hey, tell me your entire story. Like really pat yourself on the back, make yourself sound like the man. And like, you just get a lot of information out of them. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, yeah, that's probably like my best education. All um, right. So, so then you bought, all right. So it's taking my first house, North Carolina, refi 150 second house buy a flip. Probably it sounds like it, it just sold maybe a, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, whatever. That was twenty eight thousand profit. Now the third house is is the one you're you're currently doing refurbishments on. Yeah, yeah. So as of right now, it's moving fast, um, man. It's yeah, moving fast. Yeah. Well, my, you were my, ready. Goal, my goal was thirteen houses this year, so that's uh, that's that's the goal. You got to go on some more. Uh, higher higher audience shows than me people this is an amazing story if, if when you do it well a big so i mean i can get uh so my one why obviously is kendall and getting my time back yeah so that's for me my can you other, explain to people how we know we know you've had this these assets sitting that are getting paid for themselves worth certain how how is real estate going to give you your time back as far as cash flow goes or or, or so be it well it could be a lot of ways so let's see what um, yours is Without going too, too, too into it, because I think it's more of an analytical thing for like another show. So, I mean, I'm starting, so I, I, I market down in North Carolina, right. For Mm -hmm. distressed properties and the stuff that I can buy off the MLS. Um, so I have a website, right. That pretty much it, like people will go there and they'll fill out like a pamphlet saying like, Oh, I want to sell my house and all this stuff it gets all that information puts into my CRM, which is, I mean, customer relationship, something, something, (laughs) some some abbreviation for that, but pretty much it helps you manage your business. Um, so, and then I have an acquisitions uh, manager down there. So there's, there's two ways. So I send out direct mail. Um, once someone gets it and pretty much goes to go give me a phone call, I have a third party business that answers my phones for me. So I don't have to, and then that goes into my CRM as well. And that goes to my like uh, acquisitions. Um, and then I pretty much just give the go ahead of like doing the analytics behind the property and being like, yay, nay, like this is what I can offer. This is what we can go up to that stuff. And then it pretty much just goes through like the system. So uh, it's not really that time intensive for me. You know, I have had more time to myself than ever in the last six years you know, plus years. And I'm planning on quitting my job in the next, as soon as I'm done with the refinance to focus on this full time. So I'm actually my first two months, uh, I plan on not working other than just doing what I said I pretty much do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just spending the summer with my daughter, uh, because so what, what is going to be paying the bills then? So again, coming with, uh, budgeting and all that stuff, I have about 14 months of my expenses saved up. There it is. Okay. Uh, so I don't have to work or do anything for over a year. Um, mm-hmm. And pretty much I'm going to keep all of my flipping profit back into the business so I can just keep acquiring rental properties of course. and eventually live off passive income. Of, and like, of cash flow from the properties, you think? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you don't, they don't cash flow more than 200, 300 bucks, do they? Uh, no. So I mean, it depends. So but then once you get to 13 properties, that's, you know, that's uh, almost $4,000. Yeah, well, absolutely. And also you, you can think or of like, it like so 2000 depending. People have different views on cash flow. Uh mm-hmm, mine's a very conservative view. Uh mine is not just after you 
you know, after insurance, uh, your mortgage and property tax, like I think my bill for all that is like seven fifty. I have my property management and then I take a bunch of savings for repairs for repairs. So if I didn't take all those savings, I think it would cash flow like $250. That's still so good, dude. That's still so good. And so I, I do take a considerable amount so I don't ever have to like really dig into my own pocket. Um, and so I end up cash flowing, I think like $70 a month. Okay. Um, so sounds more reasonable. Is, yeah. Yeah. But so, I bring a good amount of like reserves about $10,000 to the table when I close on a house uh, in case anything ever goes wrong. I add a lot of value to it by making pretty big rehabs on them, like a new roof and HVAC. So it sounds. Yeah. So um, I try and structure in a way that like I never, after I have it, I don't ever have to go out of my own personal pocket for it. Um, So Right now it's less cash flow, but pretty much if you just did it out of inflation, like three percent, like around the board, uh, mm-hmm. I would end up making like close to two hundred dollars off of each house in the next like five years. So if you yeah. have ten of them, you know, it ends up being like two grand. And I live, like I said, I'm good at budgeting. So even if I was to make uh, my budget roughly, I need about like uh, I think like twenty six hundred to live. I, I think I'm month. close to that as well. But you have you you got two. Yeah. So pretty much the way I, I always look at it too, is like, say I am able to generate like a hundred dollars, I mean a thousand dollars in cash flow, that cuts my bills in half. So that savings that I have right now will really last about two years without me making any income, you know, without me mm-hmm. taking out any yeah, profit. I mean, and then you can just focus on building more relationships with other private lenders and getting better deals together and building your empire. Yeah. If, so, sh- if you should want, or you could just spend more time with your daughter. Well, I mean, I, I definitely want to build an empire because right now, like it's fun. It's what, well, you know what it is? Like, so <laughs> I, I always, so like, it's, it's not that hard. It's, it's really not that time intensive. Doesn't sound that hard. You, as long as you make yourself like, and put yourself in a vulnerable spot. Cause I always say, and I say it to myself all the time, is that whenever I'm doing something and like I'm scared, I just say I'm being selfish because I'm like, okay, so if I want to be able to, like one of my life mantras is I don't care about becoming a billionaire. I care about positively impacting a billion people's lives. I'm never going to do that by just living like modestly, you know, mm-hmm. like not like personally modestly, but like my goal is being modest. In, in you actions. Know? So you're going to have to figure out the, systems and like building stuff if you want to be able to like you know give that much finance to people to impact them in your time so you have to not be in your business you have to work on it and you have to be able to scale it mm-hmm. so i think the current model i have is pretty good for that i could probably scale it up to like i said i think with the current model i could probably do about 20 houses a year and not be like super in the business again um just because I have people that work for me that are super talented, you know? Um, yeah. And pretty well compensated. So right now that's where I'm at and I want to try and build it in the New Jersey market as well. Okay. Um, and pretty much just, you know, go from there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, so there's the story and yeah, guys, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this show. It's called changing the climate. I talk, try, I want to talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. This, I think this story is a great example of how you can be handed circumstances and people can tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that. 
people will think one thing's going to happen or they're going to, they're going to be failure. They're going to have so much strife in their life. And yeah, you know, failure, like Dana said, failure is good. Strife is, is helpful. It helped, it's taught him so much. He's learned so much. The idea is as far as change goes, I think it's quite obvious that if you work hard, you can achieve really anything. It doesn't matter what kind of situation that you come from, no matter what your circumstance, you can really kind of build up your dream life how you want. Real estate's obviously a great way to do that, but if you want to start like a makeup company or a shoe store or something, if you have the knowledge and the drive, I mean, what what's stopping you, you know? Like, yeah, I want to I want to I want to talk about making the world a better place and changing the the situation. I want this episode I want I think I guess the focal point is that it's don't the limiting mindset is completely constructed. This idea that because Dan had a kid in high school, his life is ruined. He's going to be he's going to be working seventy hours a week for for a department DPW and and picking grass all day or whatever. I'm not sorry. I'm not sure what you guys do. You like actually, you guys make like really nice like flowers and stuff. I'm pretty sure. You do a little bit of everything, but yeah. But but um, it's it's not it's 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 BS really. It's it, there's there is the limit. The only limiting factors is your mindset, your determination, your work ethic, and that's really what's going to stop you from doing anything. We need to we need to inspire people with stories like this to show that really anything's possible. Any anyone can can do anything. And you said that you weren't like a great student in high school, right? No. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't no. mean anything. I'll, I'll give you an example because I'm, I'm really, <laughs> like I said, I'm the least talented person in the world when it comes pretty much all around the board. I just, I'm intentional. This is got, that, the, guy, that, the guy that now has four houses and is talking about getting 20 next year is calling himself the least talented person ever. So just take that for Because I am. I'm super, I'm super intentional. Like, that's just it. Yeah. Like, I really know what makes me happy and uh, that, that's about it. But, like, how long do you that's think it would take you to read 10 pages? Of like a book, just a normal book. Six or seven minutes, maybe. Yeah, it takes me about an hour and ten. I am not a very um. I I just, like I said, dude. Like I, I was never that good at school or anything. Like auditory that. You know, learner. You know, it's so. Do you know how many books I read last year? Business education and um, you know self help growth. Couldn't I read twenty three and a half books last year. I read ten pages every single morning. That's part of my morning routine. It takes me about an hour and 10 minutes, Jeez, but man. I still do it. <laughs> yeah. That's you just, know, long, that's just you, 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 your crazy work ethic. It's, it's putting you, it's put you where you, where you are today. And this, oh man, like it's so, it's story is so cool, but it really just sounds like the very peak, like beginning of it to me. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, life comes down to a bunch of decisions and kind of going back towards if you feel like you were dealt something that was like wrong or um, I know even after my dad died, I dealt with anger that I couldn't really aim it at someone because it was just you're angry, but like it's no one's fault. Um, one of my favorite quotes is that it's not the venom from a cobra that it's not the bite from the cobra that kills you. It's running around with a stick trying to kill it that pumps the venom to your heart. So you pretty much can take on anything in life and nothing can negatively impact you except for yourself mm -hmm. because it's how you handle something. It's how you perceive something and pretty much good or bad. Like I said, like I, you could probably go back and you listen to it. I'm pretty sure I said that one of like the biggest benefits was 
my dad dying and being a young parent and like I view it as a benefit like you know it sounds super weird when you say it but like I never would have been able to be the person I am today without that or I could have ended up being like a loser you know <laughs> you could have so, but that's just not that's not what you had set out for yourself yeah you so, knew you knew what you wanted and you went for it and you you had the struggle to get it is what it came down to yeah and I didn't necessarily always know what I wanted I I knew I knew I didn't have like a clear picture of how to get it. That's what it is. I always knew what I wanted, but like <laughs> literally yeah. the only reason why I even started becoming obsessed with real estate is because I couldn't answer a simple question. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. like oh, that does kind of bother me. Doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, and it's real estate is cool anyways, isn't it? Well, that's, that's great. I think that's, that's good. I think Dan, if you want to come back on the show and, and tell us how everything's going, that'll be, that'll be awesome. And just give people more inspiration to see like, it just seems like we like your origin story has just ended and it's really like crazy and it's just going to end up being this, this, this huge long story that I'm like really looking forward to, um, to keeping up with. So yeah, I mean, if you, you want anything else to say for people, I'm, I think we're definitely going to have you back. All these guys, Darian's building his business, Bailey's still building. We'll have everyone come back on and check up with everyone because I'm going to be doing this podcast for a long time now. So any, anything you want to say to kind of just like wrap up for today's episode? Uh, hmm. I think you, you did. Yeah. I think you, you figured it out. I would probably just say, um, well, one, just to hit me up, uh, I'm going to give out my number now because why not? Yeah. Do, uh, do we want to, do we want to, do you want to show your website or no? Uh, the website's under construction right now. So okay, fair enough. That, fair enough. Uh, that's currently under the process. Um, so I mean, I'm just going to give my personal contact number cause you know, it's a uh, 973-513-2571 and it's really not that hard and anyone no matter what you're going through right now can literally retire within 10 years without just making absurd changes to your life. It's, mm-hmm. I, I can pretty much numerically show you how to do it. Um, so could I. Yeah. So it, it's really, that's probably the biggest thing I'd want people to take away is that like, if you want something, you could do it. And if you want something and don't do it, your actions aren't dictating what your actual like wants are in life. And that's on you (laughs) yep make a plan ladies and gentlemen make a plan all right that was an awesome episode i'm still trying to figure i'm going to figure out how to end the stream here now thank you dan vines for coming on i was i loved that story it was great and let's continue changing the climate folks stay happy stay positive 2012 (laughs) see you